In Her Words is a sub-series from Something Private, featuring lesser-known stories from women who have survived pains unlike what most of us go through and triumphed, women who succeed despite and against all odds. This is their story. Hi, I am a Muslim female who was circumcised as a child and I now have differing opinions about it since when I first discovered uh, that I was actually circumcised. Okay, so the reason why I use the term circumcised is because um, it's more of a neutral word as opposed to the usual like FGM, female genital mutilation because I guess even like from a personal standpoint it's hard to say Hi, I am a Muslim female and I was um, mutilated at my genitals You know, see, it's so weird to say <laughs> Yeah Or maybe in like Malay terms you'll, you'll say like Oh, I can assume that <laughs> That's not even correct. Don't even say that. <laughs> because you understand that that term sunat, right? It's like a normal term. It's very normal. I don't know. It, the thing is, I don't know how to explain how normal it is because it's so normal. Yeah. So it is as it's even more neutral than saying the word like circumcised. It's as normal as people saying like, "Hey, you sunat already?" A lot of people know that you know guys go through sunat and everything. Um, and a lot of people, whether they are Malay or non-Malay, know that that guys have to go through this circumcision process but not a lot of girls know about sunat perempuan which is um, like female circumcision Honestly, my experience with this term, I've never really had any opposition to it because growing up, you know, you watch those Malay like P. Ramli shows or whatever and then there's this um, scene where you know all the boys are wearing the like kain which is the like sarong thing and they're all like preparing to go into the sunat so it is like something that is normal so i didn't think that there was any issue with it until um i guess i started going to school like uni and then like i realized that oh female circumcision is not like people don't know that they were like circumcised so to me the the, the term sunat was like it didn't have any negative connotations until I reached like uni and realized that it has certain negative impacts on, on people. Most people call it um, female genital mutilation or um, FGC, female genital cutting. From what I understand, there are different extents to which uh, people undergo FGM. So the extent of the cutting or how much that is removed is different in different um, cultural contexts. From what I understand, which is very limited also, because it's only based on my own experience, because not a lot of like girls my age talk about it, is that in Singapore, only um, the cut is a very small incision. And that's like also what my parents told me as well. Okay, so hang on a minute. I really wanted to use this space as a platform for minority groups, less privileged, less empowered, to have a space among the majority to have their voices and their issues be heard and therefore I didn't really want to interject with my own opinions but I think this is an episode that is on a very contentious topic and I'm sorry but I have to interrupt with some facts just to set the record straight. I did my reading online and then I wrote in to several Muslim female gynecologists based in Singapore because I wanted to understand what exactly is the type of female circumcision that is carried out here today. Eventually, one reached back to me and gladly answered all my queries. Yay! She has declined to be named because this is a really sensitive topic back home. But if you did a quick Google search, I'm sure you could find her. Anyway, let's call her Dr. A. When Dr. A rang, she expressed concern immediately over the fact that I was going to do this episode because she felt that the word 
mutilation or the act that was carried out back home was very, very different from what was happening, say, in Africa. There's this particular British charity that focuses on research on female genital mutilation and it works closely with African underprivileged women. According to their findings, there are four types of mutilation, type 1, type 2, type 3 and type 4. Type 1 and type 4 are the most common in Southeast Asia, where they either prick, scrape or partially remove the clitoris. But in Africa, they sometimes do a combination of many things, including scraping and then sewing up the vagina. Dr. A disagrees. She says that she's unsure of how accurate and updated this information is with relation to Southeast Asian mutilation. As a gynecologist in practice for many, many years now, she vouches for the fact that female circumcision that exists in Singapore today is not practiced in a physical way and it's largely a symbolic practice to enable a rite of passage. Really vague, really vague. So I pushed her to tell me what exactly she meant specifically. Does it mean that, you know, they don't cut off the clitoris like what you said? Is it just a simple prick? She explained to me that Muslims can only either visit their GP or gynecologist to carry out this practice. What this means is that the sole responsibility for carrying out the circumcision fell on the shoulders of these doctors. They could not come out to publicly condemn this action because there was still a demand for this to be carried out. And if they refused to do it, who knows what illegal or unhygienic practice might result, causing more harm to young baby girls, right? So... They agreed among themselves in the medical community that it will not be physically carried out. As far as Dr. A is concerned, it's 99.9% symbolic. Parents bring their child to a clinic and they go through a prayer, followed by the procedure, where the doctor will place a prick or a knife on the clitoris. Nothing more. No slicing. But of course, our profile today is somebody who is in her mid-twenties and it's difficult to confirm what procedure she had gone through as a child. Yep, so it's done like right when you're a baby. Okay, I'm not sure about the specifics, but like you don't even, like I don't even remember when I was like circumcised. And uh, according to my mom, you know, when she was telling this story, she was like, oh, you know, because okay, as a baby, I didn't cry much. So apparently in this procedure, I didn't even cry. <laughs> so, okay, but that, that's a weird baby. But anyway, my mom was, she always, the way she tells the story is, um, haha, it's so funny, as a baby, you should cry, but you didn't cry, but your mom, like she cried. But even though she cried, like, she cried because, you know, I think she just doesn't want her baby to go through pain. But at the same time, she still believes that the baby still needs to go through the sunat, which I really don't understand now. Um, so my views may be a bit conflicting throughout this whole thing because I had a different view before and after uni. And like, recent things that happened now. So before this, I didn't have and didn't, not say didn't want to have an opinion on it. I just like, mm, okay, this thing happens. And I think that a lot of people um, like blast it uh, out of proportion sometimes. But then I think after I took some, because I study sociology. <laughs> so after I took some modules in health and then learned more about it and other people's experiences, then I kind of changed my stance towards it and also my own, through my own experiences. Lah. Yeah. Firstly, like they don't remember it happening, right? So they don't physically feel the pain. Yeah, so it's only people who, you know, are maybe more sensitive, more woke, or like, you know, aware of like social cultural issues. But apart from that, you know, like, you are a certain type of person to want to be affected by this. Yeah, like, normally, I think, especially girls, maybe the quieter ones may not, you know, want to even be vocal about it. And yeah, it may or may not affect them. 
Okay, so when I ask my mom, like, well, you know, why is this being done? Even though she she cries when this happens to me, why does she still want to go through with it? Because she said that it is like compulsory and it's needed because um it helps to curb your your sexual desires and wants, which clearly it honestly did not on me. <laughs> But yeah, isn't the fact that they're trying to control it? You know, I I really am very uh, opposed to that lah. Yeah. When my mom told me, I mean, I already knew from like super young. I just only had an issue with it in uni. Like, okay, so my best friend is Chinese, okay, and like we are like yeah, super close and all that. And she, we always talk about these kind of issues. So she always asked me, how come only in uni I had an issue about this? Because even she as a Chinese girl, when she knew that I was like we knew each other since secondary school, she she was like, what that happened to you? And I'm like. Yeah, no, no big deal. Yeah, so I told her that, and then she was like, "Huh, oh, what?" And then she keep asking more about it. Then I just, cause at that point of time, I wasn't, you know, exposed to a lot of things, and I was like, "Ah, oh, yeah, it's no big deal." And then I guess sometimes, you know, when um in like Asian or like maybe Muslim cultures, you see other people writing about, you know, your culture or whatever, and they kind of write it from their viewpoint that it's not like a really balanced perspective. So. At that point in time in secondary school, I was coming from from the space where I thought it was a normal thing and don't want it to be like blown out proportion just because something is different in a different culture. Yeah, in uni then when I studied sociology and about like you know gender equality, female rights, all that kind of stuff, and I guess maybe my partner changed also. So before that, you know, I only I dated like two Malay guys. Yeah, so then in uni, I, <laughs> I had a um. Chinese boyfriend. Okay, we were together very long. We were gonna get married, and then we broke up like three months ago. I guess one thing that was an issue in our relationship, among a lot of other things, was that he didn't like to have sex. Okay. Yeah. Which <laughs> so, means that his sex drive was lower than yours. Yeah, or? his sex drive was significantly lower than mine. So, so like, I was always wondering, like, what you know? Firstly, is it me? And then secondly, like, like what's going on, lah? Yeah. So anyway, five five blah blah blah. Anyway, we broke up, and then after we broke up, he was such a dick. <laughs> like he suddenly said, because we fought a lot about the sex thing. Because I would, as a girl, always be like, firstly, I was circumcised, right? I'm supposed to have lower sex drive, but what's going on, you know? And then, um, yeah. So that was one thing, and he always never wanted to talk about it. He always like, uh, I'll ask him like, oh, like. Some lame question like, oh, what kind of porn do you watch? And if you're gonna marry this person, shouldn't they tell you answer you this kind of yeah. nonsense things? And he was like, why I don't want to tell you lah. I'm like, okay, yeah. And then uh, he yeah lah. Like, he just never talked about it and all that. So after we broke up, then I guess you know he doesn't care about hurting my feelings. So he said that um, like he didn't enjoy sex with me, whatever. And then I was like, are you serious? <laughs> and then he said that um. He's not used to like the circumcised like vagina lah. Then I was like, Are you fucking serious? You why didn't you say like all this from the start lah? And then like, okay, so this is gonna be a bit like sexual, okay? So like, I like giving blowjobs, <laughs> and he doesn't like it. Yeah, he doesn't like receiving blowjobs. He doesn't like receiving blowjobs. So. So like that's strange. Yeah, that's strange. That's very very strange. And like he did, wouldn't want to have sex if I would do everything also. Yeah, so which is always very strange. So anyway, I think we both arrived at us just being very sexually incompatible. After that, I, 
I saw a lot of people lah, like a lot of um uh let's just say angmore guys. <laughs> yeah, like a lot cuz it's just for fun and I don't want anything serious, right? And then um and then because it's not serious, I can ask them right like about my performance or whatever nonsense and they are like they're clearly quite happy lah. Yeah, so that's why I was like, okay, this is not me lah. Yeah, and then um for some of them that I still talk to and I'm close to Oh, just friends. Um, I was I was just asking lah, like you know, is there a difference? Like um, because I'm circumcised or whatever, and and they were like, the hell, there's no difference at all. Yeah, so I'm just like, yeah, exactly. So I don't understand what like my ex was talking about. So I don't know where it came from. You know whether you know he really thinks that it's very different or he's just saying it out of bitterness, whatever. Yeah, that that's something that I'm still like figuring out how to navigate. Yeah. And I'm just taking a break. Like, I really had too much. <laughs> no good on you. It's excellent. Something Private is a podcast produced by VFM. You can listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast, or wherever you stream your podcast from. So I don't know if I've told you guys, but we also have a Telegram channel where I occasionally upload cute gifs. Just search for Something Private Pod in the Telegram search bar that's something private pod to find us or follow us on Instagram with the same handle something private pod I guess most girls would uh, only realize when they're at that age because that's when you start thinking about like what okay i don't know whether that's the age where they think about whether they will have a kid or not lah, and then what will happen to them but that's when they start thinking about like social issues and get exposed to it i guess the reason why i knew and it depends like from family to family because my mom just just talks about it like as a kid oh you know when you're a kid it just happened you know it was like a like a story to tell about when we were when i was a baby and i grew up until before i went to uni knowing that that was already done to me yeah, so I'm sure that there are other families that are also like that, yeah. And then they might be okay with it until a certain time uh, when it comes to the point that, you know, other people then say like, eh, was that really okay? You know, because before that, you would just think that, oh, actually, it's okay, it's normal. Yeah, mm-hmm. until other people actually point out and like... Make you question. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I don't know how to feel about that. <laughs> like, I was just gonna ask. <laughs> I honestly don't know because... I always thought about this with my best friend because she, like, she saw both sides, right? She always like, what's wrong with you? Last time you didn't care or then now it's like, oh, you don't want it to, like, happen to you or uh, happen to, I don't want it to happen to my kid. But yeah, I mean, I wonder if, if, like, I mean, if everyone does the same thing in a society, then you wouldn't question it, right? It's just that because different culture does different things. I guess this is viewed negatively because um, it is associated with a certain kind of like violence in a way and a certain kind of like physical harm done to someone right the reason why some people can see it not as a as a threat is because there's no effect right on me <laughs> even to curb the desires or whatever um so yeah i think that is also why it's difficult to to, to stop it but i think that in general it should it should be stopped. I'm not. I'm. I'm not gonna be like super, like loud and vocal about it. Maybe the reason why is because I don't want to 
not say I don't want to harm the social fabric of like, you know, the Muslims, but maybe, maybe it's also coming from there, so maybe I don't want to. You know, sometimes you just get so sick of the way uh, people say like, oh, you know, Muslims are terrorists, whatever nonsense, right? It's all the same stereotypes, right? So you don't want to like lump another one on them, yeah. So, I don't know, I think that one thing I learned in SOSI is if, for example, a minority group or disadvantaged group like gets too angry sometimes, right? Like, it's very difficult for other people to listen to them. Yeah, so it needs to come from like an objective viewpoint from a learned voice as well to communicate to the other side. Like, this is why this has been done over the years. It's not that it cannot be helped, but these are the reasons why people are not being so vocal about it. Yeah, I mean, since there's no health benefits, and uh, people rather not do it and there are like lesser people doing it then, then yeah why not eradicate it uh, abolish it yeah there's no practical benefit of it anyway you have to pay for it <laughs> it's so dumb to say um that is a deterrent to me but um why would you waste your time going to the doctor and then doing this to your kid and then like putting yourself through the emotional pain and then your kid through the physical pain if essentially there's no benefits yeah it's a cultural yeah, I think it's really thing. a cultural thing, and then it, there's always that same saying, right? You know, because it was done your, by your grandmother, and all that stuff. The 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 MUIS, the sort of like regulatory authority, right? Um, said that they don't um encourage it in any way, lah. Yeah, but then at the same time, I think not many people would know. Uh, and okay, maybe other people may have a different viewpoint, but you know, this this stepboard usually has like more men, you know, this voice is a man's voice saying this lah, right? And then even though um, this female circumcision thing, you know, both parents, okay, not maybe not all the time, both parents know that it happens to the, the female child, um, but usually it comes from a place where the, the mum or grandma or whatever wants it to be done to the child. So it's really a female like saying that they want it to be done to not female. Yeah. Because usually like the men would not want to have a say in this lah. Based, based on what I know. Like for them, okay, the, the, the boy definitely will get circumcised, right? But for the female, I don't think like it's something that like they have strong opinions about. It's more about the females. And then maybe that strong opinion is also coming from, oh, it was done to them. That's why they want it to be done to their kids and not in a like you know vengeful kind of way more of like this is how it's supposed to be done kind mm. of way like tradition yeah tradition yeah 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 because like i spent like one year in new york uh i worked in two different startups one was like a mobile advertising startup and then second was uh ed tech like it was just me and my boss that kind yeah mm. so i think new york taught me a lot like it's a really life-changing experience like okay, honestly before that i was not <laughs> i was uh, as in, I have a lot of gay friends, but I never understood, you know, like, not why you would be gay, but I just never, like, I was like, okay, you know, I wouldn't do it, yeah. But then, like, when I was in New York, like, I saw, like, ads for, like, you know, people to protect themselves properly, like, for those that are having gay sex and everything, and they show, like, you know, two guys, like, in a subway ad. And, like, the more you see this every day when you go to work, you it's so, you, you become normalised to it. So, a lot of my opinions like changed through that so I went for a lot of events I did a lot of like startup hackathons whatever nonsense and then a lot of social impact events and especially like women uh, led events and then there were those um, you know like some minorities and they'll be very vocal and they're very 
oh, they were very angry, <laughs> you know. And then when you're very angry, like, you know, it's very difficult to, like, listen. And then um, there's also the period where Trump got voted in, by the way. Yeah. And then also I went for, you know, like, um, Doctors Without Borders and, like, yeah, that and, like, U- the UN kind of, like, talks. So they would have, like, panel discussions or in, like, really big theatres. And then one thing that stuck with me from what this one particular panel discussion was, because, um, you know, Americans are very vocal. And then there was this one person in the audience who was saying that, oh, we need to get on the streets and, you know, like, um, you know, have our posters and, you know, be vocal about this activism stuff. And then the guy in the panel who is, like, some, like, director or something, right, was saying, like, um, I mean, yeah, you can do that, but I mean, in terms of the impact that it has, right, it's not as much as, for example, when you're doing stuff in, like, policy and research and stuff. So, that's something that stuck with me a lot. And then when I got back from New York, I was doing a activism module on, like, social movements and activism, which I also learned quite a bit from that. And I think there are two sides to it, lah. I think there is some, like, benefits, some impact that can be derived from activism, like, on the street, like, the whole like Occupy Wall Street and stuff and then the visibility of it lah yeah. yeah and all these like green movements um, and then there's also the benefits from, from the, the policy side lah yeah and then there are disadvantages to both too so yeah I think that yeah Muslim girls definitely should talk more about it and also be open okay not say open sexually but like open about you know whatever they do sexually whether it is with someone or with themselves or whatever because I'm sure that um, you know maybe sometimes if for example they masturbate or whatever they think that it's a sin or something and then you know like you know I'm sure that I'm not the only girl who wonders oh is it because I was circumcised then I cannot feel like you know whatever like maximum pleasure yeah so i'm sure that's a question that's on most girls minds and i think that uh to just talk about it is is better and also to explore lah. i think moving forward a lot more people as more people start talking about it and realize that honestly there are no benefits to it um i think that it is moving in the direction where um less and less people will do it lah. yeah This has been an episode on female circumcision in Singapore. It's really interesting to me because if you did a quick search, there's not a lot that has been covered on it in a Southeast Asian context. And some articles even suggest that people are still comfortable with it back home. I think the larger issue at hand when it comes to this topic of circumcision is really what it represents. The removal of sexual desires, chastity, virginity, you know, such social constructs that inhibit women and girls from understanding their bodies better is really very dangerous and even like shaming them into not wanting to know about what's going on inside can be very dangerous and honestly it still largely exists within conservative Southeast Asia no matter the religion or race. I think this is something that has to be addressed. So if you guys tuning in have learned something a bit from this episode, I hope that you bring this educational piece of information and pass it on to siblings, younger siblings, um, your nieces, your nephews, um, if your friends have children, if you have children, onto the next generation so that we can be a more educated and informed generation and society. Hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. Stay tuned for a new episode that will be released on Monday.